Thank you for tuning in to the Practical Preservation Podcast. Please take a moment to visit our website, practicalpreservationservices.com, for additional information and tips to help you restore your historical home. If you've not done so, please subscribe to us on iTunes, Stitcher, or SoundCloud, and also like us on Facebook. Welcome to the Practical Preservation Podcast, hosted by Danielle and Jonathan Kepperling. Kepperling Preservation Services is a family-owned business based in Lancaster, Pennsylvania, dedicated to the preservation of our built architectural history for today's use as well as future generations. Our weekly podcast provides you with expert advice specific to the unique needs of renovating a historic home, educating by sharing our from-the-trenches preservation knowledge and our guests' expertise, balancing modern needs while maintaining the historical significance, character, and beauty of your period home. Today on the Practical Preservation Podcast, we have Gabe uh, with us. He's the Vice President of Expert House Movers of Maryland. Gabe, welcome, welcome to um, to the podcast. Uh, tell me a little bit about your business. Hello, thanks for thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Um, so, uh, yeah, I'm the vice president of Expert House Movers. Um, we're a third generation structural moving, raising, and shoring company uh, based out of the Eastern Shore of Maryland, and um, we uh, we specialize in moving historic uh, masonry structures, but uh, do a really wide range of things. That when you said masonry structures, that really made me that piqued my interest right away because I'm thinking that I'm sure adds another element to just moving a structure and then having to deal with the masonry and making sure that you keep that all intact. I'm sure is another level of um, complexity. Oh, sure. Yeah. Especially with anything old or historic, um, you know, and masonry isn't just brick, you know, it's also stone or right. a combination. And, uh, you know, over time, you know, those buildings and that construction material doesn't hold up typically. And so there are definitely a lot of challenges that, um, that you don't have with say a wood frame building or, a, you know, a concrete structure. So it's, it's a skill set for sure. Yes. Do you um, have certain geographic areas that you that you serve, or are you pretty much nationwide? Yeah, absolutely. So um, it depends on the project is, is the best answer. Um, you know, for your smaller jobs, um, I would say anything ranging from, you know, 50,000 and under, um, you know, we typically stay uh, in sort of that mid-Atlantic region. So yes. that would qualify as Delaware, Maryland for us, D.C., um, Virginia, Pennsylvania, and like sort of New Jersey. And when it comes to, you know, th those larger projects that are a little bit more involved and uh, require, you know, higher level specialty and, and, you know, that pushes, of course, the price up of the total project, then, you know, that, um, that range, the geographical range we cover uh, gets a lot bigger. And we've gone out as far as Minneapolis, Minnesota. So I would say, you know, sort of the Midwest. Okay. Um, yeah. We do a lot of work in a lot of work in New England because, of course, there's a lot of old buildings there. Right. Yeah. That makes sense. Um, and we typically, yeah, we typically try to go south of the Virginia line because um, I uh, uncles and cousins actually own a house moving company in Virginia Beach. So to be respectful of the territory and you know the family relationship, uh, we 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 don't we don't go down further than that. 
that 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 makes sense and and seems sensible especially when you have to get together for family events <laughs> sure exactly <laughs> I think that's something everybody can relate to. Yes, yes, yes. So how did you get started in the business? Well, I mean, a lot of small businesses are family, uh, family businesses, and, and that's the same. That's the case with ours. Um, you know, my grandfather on my dad's side, um, he actually started the business. He was originally uh, into clearing land. He's a farmer, and then he started clearing land, and then he had the opportunity to uh, to get a contract to clear some property for a new golf course. And there was a couple of houses on the property and, um, and you know, the person that uh, hired them, they didn't even care what happened to the houses. And, uh, you know, as the story goes, they were in good enough shape that, you know, it was a shame to tear them down. So a couple of the folks that lived close by offered him money if he could get them to his land and, uh, you know, having a couple of uh, houses to practice on always helps. And <laughs> after that, you know, they real they realized that, you know, there was some money that could be made, uh, moving houses. And so, yes. um, they started a you know, business originally called Big John House Movers, and um, and then uh, once my grandfather passed, uh, my dad's one of three brothers, and they started up you know saying they all worked with their father, but they started up a, another company under the name Expert House Movers, and so um, eventually my father's you know came up here to Maryland to start his own business, and also called Expert House Movers, but it's incorporated in Maryland instead of Virginia. There's one out in Missouri. Um, and, uh, you know, we're all the same family, but different companies. Yes. And, um, and then, you know, when I worked my dad all through growing up and in summers out during college, I had zero aspirations for being in the house moving business. <laughs> um, and, um, you know, and after being out of school and, um, you know, and working a little bit for some other folks, uh, a hurricane hit this area and a hurricane Isabel and, you know, anytime a hurricane hits, uh, it generates a lot of work for house members because okay. all these houses need to be need to be lifted because right. of the flood levels that um, get instituted by FEMA. And so, you know, dad kind of made the call and said, hey, you know, I don't know if you thought about it, but if it's even in the remote opportunity and a chance in the back of your mind, you want to go into this business now would be a really great time. <laughs> and so that was 2002. And I came down here thinking I'd try it for six months and see how it went. And, uh, you know, here we are. Yeah. That's very, that's funny to me. That's very similar to, to how I kind of got started. And I, I joke that I started as a glorified secretary, but you know, I grown up going to job sites with my dad and, you know, just, you know, that's the talk at the dinner table. And, um, I went out of high school. Originally I went um, to culinary arts school. So I was working in a bakery. I was, I was fairly happy there. And then, but my husband had been working for, with my parents for several years before, you know, and I was doing my own thing. And one day my dad's like, did you ever just want to come work with us? He's like, I've been waiting for you to say something. <laughs> and that was in 2001. So, and I, I, we, Oh, that, that's almost the same time. Yeah. Exactly, it almost, huh? yeah <laughs> that's funny though. So but yeah, so that's, I think that happens a lot in family businesses. There's always a hope. They, they want you to go do your own thing, but they really want you to come back. <laughs> yeah. You know, my dad was really great. I mean, he was never really pressured me into doing it. His main thing was he just wanted me to have a trade that if for some reason college didn't work out and, you know, I needed 
to get a job somewhere. Um, you know, he said, you, you need to have something to back up or fall back on. And it might as well be the family business of whatever it is that we do. And I mean, you can, you can, and the skill of house moving is something you really can't go to a trade school to get. You have to, no, you have to have it's just all about, yeah, you have to have lived it or, or worked it for a while. And, and I had at that point, so I had the basis of the knowledge needed to go and either work someplace else or, or even, like I said, come back home. And so that was kind of how it started. And, um, so yeah, you know, I think the nature of all siblings are, are not siblings, but kids, you, you sort of, you go the opposite direction that, you know, your family's in. And then, you know, after a while you, you realize that it's, you know, that familiarity is, is always there and yes, you know, there's yeah. something to be said for being comfortable, you know? Yes, I agree. So I, I had discovered your company through a project, um, from a Facebook post on a preservation professionals group, um, someone shared a project of the Galloway house traveling down a barge um, or on a barge, traveling on a barge. Um, can you tell me about the project? Any challenges? I, I just couldn't believe that there was a house on a, you know, traveling on a barge. Yeah, sure. Um, I guess, um, I guess I should probably give a little, little backstory oh, to, to yeah. the job that you're talking about so that, you know, people can kind of appreciate, um, you know, the nature of what it was and, um, and what, you know, what the extent that it, that the owners went to preserve this house. It, it uh, we got contacted by, um, a couple from the Northern Virginia area and, uh, you know, while I live on the Eastern shore, it's pretty rural and, um, you know, I, the a average income is, is pretty moderate to, to low and, you know, and so we field a lot of calls and some people don't have a realistic expectation of what house moving involves. You know, they right. just think, oh, I've got a house up in Jersey that I've grown up in my whole entire life and we're going to move to Delaware. I'd really like to bring it down, you know. Um, <laughs> yeah. And it's a three story Victorian or something, you know, in the middle of, uh, you know, in the middle of, uh, you know, a city. And I just, you know, that's not feasible financially right. or even from a, you know, a, a doable standpoint. And so you're always taking those calls and trying to, you know, not waste your time and not waste the owner's time. I uh, just kind of quickly get people into, you know, sort of a closer form or framework of reality. And, um, and so, you know, it's always a gamble, whether you give those people a little bit of uh, a little bit of rope and let them kind of ramble and talk and kind of tell their story, or you kind of cut them off and just right. go on to the next call. And so we got this call from these folks and, you know, they said there's this old, brick house on the eastern shore that um it's probably 200 to 220 years old maybe 50 years old we're not exactly sure and it's in really good shape and we want to move it to this waterfront lot 50 60 miles away oh my goodness <laughs> and so right so then you know i uh, i quickly kind of google earth the uh tried to get a you know an idea of what they were talking about and it was a indeed a two and a half story you know triple brick manor house of really grand proportions, you know, with 12 foot ceilings and just a really beautiful home that I was actually somewhat familiar with because it was only 45 minutes away from my house. Okay. And, um, you know, it hadn't been burned. It hadn't been heavily vandalized. It was in pretty, pretty much the same condition that it had been left, um, you know, when it relatively close to when it was built. And so um, it was really a shame that it was where it was kind of being surrounded by urban sprawl. And they wanted to put it, you know, in a, in a proper place for what it was. Um, but I just, at the time, you know, myself or them, neither really had an idea of whether it was even possible or what the money was going to, you know, entail right. to make it happen. So I immediately gave them some really large numbers to just kind of qualify their interest and in whether it was real. And right. they said, look, we don't really want to, 
We don't really want to talk numbers right now. We just want to know if it's feasible. Um, so that kind of talk always sparks your interest, you know. Right. Um, yeah. We so, don't. We're not so looking I, uh, for the. We're not calling every house mover and asking for the cheapest one. <laughs> well, yeah, and and, and, and so it was. Uh, you know, I said to myself, well, you know, this is going to be a lot of time. I mean, this just to figure this out. So I said, look, you know, a lot of times we'll in a situation like this we'll charge for a feasibility study. Right. So you know, I'm going to have a lot of time involved in this that I'm most likely not going to get back. So. For X amount of money, you know, I'll I'll do a feasibility study and I'll come up with some some routes if one exists for this house. And so what we found was, you know, uh, Eastern Maryland was where this house was located, which is a fairly populated place. And um, to get this house to the the location they wanted, 50 or 60 miles away, the only way that was going to happen was by water. And um, you know, the roads are too skinny. Uh, the house was a 40 foot by 40 foot by 45 to 50 foot tall. Oh my goodness. It yeah. just wasn't going to go down these little country roads to this beautiful lot they had on the water. It all picked out. So, you know, my challenge was how do I get it to an area close enough to the water with deep enough water that I can load it onto a barge. And so, you know, I found this really, really sort of circuitous, bizarre route that involved <laughs> crossing private property, going the wrong way down major highways, cutting across median strips, you know, a move that would take, you know, multiple phases over the course of two weeks. Right. Um, involved, God, God knows how many countless hours of coordination with, you know, all kinds of municipalities. And I just sort of laid this out in front of them. I said, look, this is what it's going to take to get this from point A to point B. There's a bazillion checklist items that have got to be taken care of to even to even get the permission right. to make this happen before we even start coordinating. And so I said, that's on you. <laughs> and I said, there's a budgetary number for it. This doesn't include any of the utility line work, any of the, you know, the, the police escort costs, the, you know, the safety traffic control right. costs. It's just yeah. here's a number for my work have a nice life, you know, because <laughs> you never expect that to ever come back to right. you. And then no, I, I, fast, I, I've, I've had those phone calls. <laughs> right. And then, you know, fast forward 10 months to a year later, phone rings. Um, you know, Gabe, we've, we've, we've talked to all the homeowners and all the property owners that we've got across. We've got some, some tentative, you know, approvals. And I think we really want to start, nailing this down and to get into this a little deeper. And, you know, I just, I was, it was kind of shocked. And so, <laughs> so anyway, long story short, it took about a year and a half of coordinating with I can police, yeah. you know, Marine police, towns, counties, road divisions, uh, utility companies, the whole deal. And uh, we missed one deadline where we had a move date picked out. It got pushed. Um, and then, you know, it all came down to this past August, uh, you know, coming together and, uh, the move took, like I said, it was five different phases over the course of two weeks. Um, you know, we had to shut down major highways. Um, we had to leave the building in median strips for periods of time. It was a, a pretty, a pretty complex undertaking. It was probably one of the most complex jobs, not necessarily from a difficulty standpoint, but just from the, how many moving parts. Right. That's were. what I was going to ask you. Yeah. Yeah. It was, is that and, the first uh, time you've used a barge? So that's a great question. We have used a barge for 
I'd say probably five or six other decent sized projects okay. in the past, but none even remotely close as heavy as this was. Right. Um, you know, this, this house, this house going, rolling down the road was 400 tons. Oh my goodness. Um, which in the scope of what we move isn't astronomical, but right. in the scope of what we move down the road, I mean, just moving from one side of a piece of property to another, no big deal. You know, 1,200 tons. Right. You know, we've moved things 4,000 tons, 5,000 tons. But when you go down the road, you're going over bridges and culverts. I mean, it, it becomes a oh, whole other Oh, you have animal. to. Yeah. And if you're, everything has to be, did you have to, I'm sure that was part of the process, like making sure the bridges could handle your load and everything else. Oh, sure. And, you know, having your axle spacings and your weights and the roadworthiness of the, you know, of the, uh, the, the, the machinery and the material that's supporting the house and contingency plans if something happened and, you know, uh, areas where you could lay down if you didn't quite make the, you know, your original, you know, destination for that particular move a night. I mean, it just, just a phenomenal amount of work. And, um, uh, and it was just, uh, and, and of course, because of that, this move stretched out over a two-day period, or two-week period, rather. And right. so it would be parked out on the major highway for a couple of days. And so people just slowly started becoming aware of this job. Well, that's and, what I know, was thinking. You're, if you're just parking it in the median strip until night, you know, it, that's not something you usually see in the median. <laughs> right. And then, you know, and then it would go, you know, another half a mile. And then it would get parked on the side of the road. And then it would stay there for a day or two. And you know, and then it would move down to the boat ramp and they would get parked in the boat ramp parking lot for three or four days. And so what happened was, is this attention and this, you know, sort of media coverage just sort of started steamrolling. Oh, and, you I know, people started it. posting pictures and videos. And I would put posts on my Facebook page for expert house movers. And, you know, then I'm getting 20,000 hits and 30,000 hits. And then it's, it's on the Baltimore news and then it's on the national news. And then once this thing got on a barge <laughs> and unbeknownst to us, you know, while sitting in that parking lot, there was a live cam that some local car dealership sponsored that focused on the boat ramp. And oh. anybody could just hop online and view what was going on in real time. It's like and the, it the was wildlife they, cams. <laughs> exactly. That's yeah. what it was. It was, in essence, a wildlife cam. And then all of a sudden, it's dominated by this 400-ton house with all these wheels. And so anybody in the world could hop on YouTube real time and watch the process. And it just grabbed people's attention. Like, you know, no one could have predicted. And uh, before we knew it, we're getting emails from people in the UK saying they saw the job on t uh, the news and it just, it took legs and, and just, and just took off from there. So it was oh, kind of That's exciting though. That's exciting. Yeah, and the, so. and the move was successful. No major hiccups. No, I mean, nothing, nothing ever goes, per, you know, perfectly right. as planned. Yeah. But I mean, for the most part, there were, you know, the move was definitely 100% successful. We had a few things that we had to deviate on with the move route uh, as we kind of, you know, went down, uh, went down from point A to point B. But, but all in all, yeah, things, um, things really went better than I anticipated for sure. Very good. Uh, that's, that's exciting. Um, I, I did notice um, that, on your website, you mentioned future flooding as a reason for lifting structures up. And I know that many historic buildings are built near the water. And with the rising sea levels, this is becoming more of a topic that's been talked about in preservation. Um, have you seen an increase in this area of your business? I know you said sometimes with hurricanes you do, but do you, is it more uh, even for, from a like sea level standpoint or just like with the storm surges? Well, um, you know, 
I'm not a, uh, an atmospheric scientist, right. uh, but, but, you know, I, um, I've grown up on the water and lived in the water my entire life. Um, and, uh, you know, the docks in front of our house and down the river from, you know, other, you know, other docks that are, you know, down the river from us, you know, these docks have, you know, historically been, you know, dry and good to go. And, uh, in the last 15 to 20 years, you know, the tops of these docks are underwater right. on a high, high moon, full moon, high tide at least once a month. Yeah. And I don't know what is causing it, you know, whether it's cyclical, whether it's global warming. I mean, I'm, right. I'm sure that's, that, that's the, the $50 million question, but it, you know, the changing. sea level is rising. Right. It's, it's changing. That's correct. And then, you know, it's not just, I don't think the, the storms themselves, but I think that the, the temperature in the atmosphere and the water temperatures is maybe attributing to the frequency of the storms and then you right. know the um the severity of of what they're bringing and that storm surge and you know those higher just sea levels in general are causing you know crazy changes and you know we're seeing 100 year floodplain levels in areas being updated you know every 5 to 10 years yes, so you'll get yeah. a You'll get you'll get a, a you know a customer that'll come and lift their house because they have this crazy flood insurance premium, and they'll lift it to the minimum because they don't want too many steps or you know oh, yeah. whatever whatever the the motivation is for them to you know lift their house you know ten feet versus eleven feet, and uh, you know then another storm comes, and it's the biggest storm in a hundred years. But you know the last storm that was the biggest in a hundred years just happened five years ago. Right. Yeah. And I, so I, then the theme of flood. The, you know, the, the, the floodplain level gets bumped up a foot and a half. And now they're not compliant anymore. And we just raised our house five years ago. Right. And so then do you have to, have you gone and re, like raised a house that you've, have you done that? Like had to go back and raise the houses? That... We have lifted, we've lifted multiple houses more than once. Oh goodness. Yeah. And it's, it's, it's heartbreaking. Usually yeah. it's not for the same homeowners. Oh, that makes sense. But, um, yeah. Well, I mean, you know, somebody will sell it or, yeah, or yeah, you know, yeah. or whatever, but, but it's just, you know, it's a real thing. And we see it, you know, especially in places when you talk about the historic implications of, mm-hmm. you know, some of these properties, uh, you know, downtown Annapolis, downtown oh, yeah. Richmond, you know, in uh, Richmond is more flooding just from a stormwater management issue, but also from the weather. I mean, Richmond's getting these, these rains now that we didn't used to have, um, you know, where you get seven inches and you know, uh, like, one ten-hour period yeah, or a really short period, you know, of time, four inches yeah. in a in a thirty-hour, thirty-minute period, and right. then all of a sudden, you know, you know, they didn't have a lot of those, from what I understand, you know, in the last hundred or two hundred years. But now, for whatever reason, these storms are just unleashing, you know, an unbelievable amount of rain in Ellicott City, downtown Ellicott City in Maryland. You know, I know that's a huge issue. Yeah huge issue and you know there again that's partially due to stormwater management too they they did some things over the years that upstream you know have created the issue right it still goes back to these these crazy storms you know yeah yeah so i that that's um that's interesting to me i know that um maybe oh it yeah it was probably about 10 years ago now i was at a traditional building conference and they were talking about you know some of the things that they're having to do like in charleston and stuff but that was like the first time i started hearing about it. now you're starting to hear more and more about it but but i think i think you're right i think it's becoming more of an issue and some of it are some of those things are you know like the stormwater management that we can we can help mitigate ourselves but other things you know th- there's no choice but to move the building <laughs> or the building's going to go out to sea. <laughs> 
or, or, or to raise them. Yeah. You know, and, yeah. and that's just, you know, you get these preservation purists that, you know, say everything has to look the way it did when it was built and all this other stuff. But, um, but as you know, and I know, you know, I can't tell you how many historic, whether it be landmarks or sites or houses that, are mandated for this or for that, you know, you can't change this, you can't change that, right. or, you know, whatever it is. And so they, they get a grant or, you know, something happens and, you know, this big renovation happens and then there's no more money. And then you go by 10, 15 years later and that cool old property, you know, the paint's peeling and, right. you know, the, and nobody's in it. And it's, you know, it's, it's going back into disrepair because it's, there's just, there's not a huge massive well of money to maintain all these, these right. properties. And so, yeah. um, you know, some of these, you need to be practical about how you preserve them and make them so that you know, they can be used or that they can be maintained with as little money as possible. And when you're in a place like Annapolis where, you know, they've got this group, you know, historic Annapolis that owns most of the buildings right down by the Harbor. Right. And they're spending big money to try and figure out what's the, what's, what's going to be the game plan for the next 50 years, because, you know, that downtown area gets flooded every year almost. Yeah. And then that's, that's expensive too. And the, you know, the insurance is going to stop paying it at some point. (laughs) Sure. And they, and they, you know, the businesses that are there lose, lose out. And, um, you know, so they're, they're looking at, I think, I've been talking to some people that are, that are dealing with that and they're very closely linked to that. But I mean, I think, you know, they're looking at, at sea, sea level rise numbers of three to five feet in 50 to 70 years. I, yeah, I can believe it. Yeah. And that's what they're, they're putting, they're putting money down, planning for a contingency with those sea levels in, in mind. Yeah. And, it's and just, that, it's, that, it's that's pretty much, yeah, developing, redeveloping the entire area then, because nothing is up that high. Not by the harbor, no. Right, yeah. And, and we see it a lot, too. You know, we, we've been starting to get a lot of calls up in the Great Lakes area um, mm-hmm. in New York State. Yes. Because they made this International Shipping Association just made this ruling where they were going to elevate the level of the lakes like a foot and a half to two feet. And it's going to happen like, like sometime crazy, like in June of this year. Oh my and goodness! No one has a say. They're yeah. just going to do it. And is that and just so that they can get bigger ships in? Is that the reasoning? I don't know what the reasoning okay. is, but yeah. it's, it has to probably has to do with something along those lines. Yeah. And there are people calling up saying, you know, we've got this historic yacht club that gets flooded now, once a year. You know, what are we going to do? And it comes June when the the sea level rises permanently in the lake two feet. Right. You know, we're we're stuck. And, and we've got this, we're, we've got, a, you know, a clock that's ticking here. And as soon as June hits, wow, you know, the lake, the lake levels go up. And that just is an example of what's going to happen everywhere. But it's happening sort of in real time because it's being controlled. You know, right. And I, I was thinking that's, that's, uh, that's kind of man-made and forced and it's like, so everybody can see what happens. Oh goodness. Yeah. And, but I think that, you know, you can use that as a, as sort of a, you know, a window into what the future holds for a lot of your coastal areas. Right. Um, you know, on the ocean. Yeah. So. My um, dad's family is in Oregon and they have, um, they have a house um, on the on the um, beach, and the we were there 
last Christmas, not this past year, but the year before. And um, the, just in my lifetime, the, it's changing. Like there's, there's almost like four the erosion? drops from the erosion. Yeah. It's, and it's, it's, it's yeah. really, yeah. So I, you, there's definitely the, the, the climate is changing. So, but I, I'll have to look at that Great Lakes um, um, project to kind of watch that because I, I, I'm just curious about it. So, well, um, yeah, Buffalo, New York, all those big cities that are kind of all along, um, all along that that whole area up there, they're all being being affected by that, you know. And it's uh, it's interesting. I wasn't even alerted to it until this this past year, 2019. Yeah, I haven't I, I haven't heard anything about it. about it either. So. Thanks for sharing yeah. that. It's Ontario. Uh, I mean, I'm sorry, um, not Ontario. Lake Erie is, is the one that, that they're, you know, they're going to, they're going to be uh, elevating. And I think actually it might be, cause I've talked to some people up near Owego. Owego is also another place in New York. It's historic and has had a lot of flooding issues as well. Um, so yeah, I mean, it's happening everywhere. It's not a, yes. it's yeah. not a, you know, it's not a regional thing. Yeah, definitely. So, um, Looking back on, you know, your, your career in, um, in moving houses, is, is there anything that you wish you knew when you got started that you know now, or, you know, is there any, any, anything you, any insights you'd like to share? Uh, for my career, um, insights, well, you know, it, um, in, in our industry, and the house moving um, and raising, you know, you sort of, you, you sort of take um, one of two or sometimes three different sort of business models. You know, one would mm -hmm. be that, um, you know, when these big storms hit, you, uh, you kind of uproot your company and relocate Go to, to where they you know, are. Those areas yeah. of the country. Right. Because, you know, after those big storms hit where those major disasters are, you know, the work, the work that follows, you know, is over a three-year period or a five-year period. And so there's enough of these, sadly, um, catastrophic events that, right. you know, whether it's Katrina, you know, or whether it's a storm that hit Galveston, Texas, or Hurricane Isabel in the Chesapeake Bay area, or, you know, Hurricane Sandy up in New Jersey. There's a lot of people that, you know, that's sort of their business model. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, for me, that's not real attractive because, um, you know, I like where I live and I really right. don't want to uproot my family <laughs> to, to go around and chase a dollar, but you know, everybody's got, you know, different, um, sort of different priorities. And, yes. uh, you know, and then the other, the other, the other thing is, is that, um, you know, for us to stay busy, the Eastern shore where we live is pretty rural. And so, um, you know, not being close to any metro areas, we have to travel to stay busy. Right. Yeah. So, um, for, you know, we, we typically are able to stay between, you know, the DC, Baltimore, Philadelphia, sort of region, uh, you know, two to three hours away from home. And, and that keeps us pretty busy, but, um, but you're still traveling two to three hours. Right. Um, and then sort of the, the other model is to be more of like a turnkey general contractor where, you know, the lifting and the moving is just one part of what you do. Um, and, you know, I think looking back on it, uh, you know, to be able to be home every night at, you know, five, six o'clock, <laughs> having, having a relatively, uh, you know, fixed work schedule, right. um, being able to, to, to work in that sort of in that, and that, uh, with that model in that fashion, 
lifestyle-wise would probably is a little bit more appealing to me. But, you know, growing up, the way my dad worked and, you know, chasing all these monster jobs, you know, all over the country. And that's just kind of what I sort of, you know, kind of the way I evolved into the business and kind of sort of approach it in the same fashion. And so, um, you know, if I was to probably do it again, I would would think that I would include a little bit more of those other um, services into what we do as a company then it would allow me to stay closer to home. Yeah. Um, I, yeah. I could but, see that yeah. from a lifestyle standpoint. Definitely. Um, I do think there's a lot of value. But you don't in, get to do the big cool jobs. Right. And I think there's <laughs> a lot of value in niching and being really good at the thing you do. Um, because right. that's why people then come to you. So I, 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 I can see, I can see both, both sides of that. Um, so do you, I know we talked um, some about the, the uh, rising water levels and things, but do you see any other challenges or trends in, in preservation or in building, um, uh, building moving? Um, yeah, I do, you know, since this is a, pre- you know, your audience is, is a, you know, preservation yes, sort yes. of um, minded or, you know, that sort of seems to be, I guess they're, um, you know, they're the reason they come to, you know, your podcast and your, your, your website there. Um, from a standpoint of preservation, um, you know, that's something that I think there's a lot of growth um, for our industry. Um, and I think that, you know, one of the main reasons why that is, is because many people just don't think moving or raising when it comes to preservation, that's not on their, their radar screen right. of options. Right. Um, and I think it, it more and more it's, it's, it's happening. And, you know, my father has been on, you know, a lot of our jobs that more noteworthy jobs that we've done. Many of them have been covered on, um, you know, different shows, mega moves or discovery or monster moves or, you know, all these different programs. And, um, we've probably had, um, I don't know, 10 or 12 different, different programs that have been focused on jobs throughout the last 20 or so years. Um, that we've done. And, and, you know, some people look at that and, Oh, you know, you guys just want to be on TV all the time, but, 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 you know, we don't get paid anything for it. So that's right. Yeah. Um, I I view that as part of our educational component. Well, I mean, yeah, that's, that's from my dad's perspective. You know, one of the main reasons that he's always felt it's important because it is, it's a, it's a real pain. You know, they, they mic you up they make you repeat everything 20 times. They follow you around. I mean, it's, it's not the most efficient way to get a job done, you know, <laughs> right. but what it does, what it does is from a pure, yeah, from a pure profitability standpoint, it's definitely a major, you know, a major uh, hindrance, but from, from a, from a, um, just from a, um, a publicity standpoint, you know, getting the, the concept of moving and raising out there in front of people um, so that, you know, the next time they come across a situation, um, where maybe that would be an option. They could say, Hey, you know what? We seen, we saw this show and, you know, they had a highway coming through and they were going to, you know, take the property by eminent domain and they got the state to give them money. Then they took that money and they bought a lot next door and they moved the property over there and we're still able to, you know, those yes. types of, um, yeah. those, that type of awareness of what we do and how that can help with preservation, especially when it comes to, um, just, uh, development, urban development. Um, you know, these, these historic properties are just getting encroached on and encroached on and encroached on. And sometimes, um, you know, the, the path loose resistance is just tear them down. Right. Um, and, but I think that people are starting to now realize with this, 
you know, overabundance of urban sprawl that happened after the big real estate boom where just like everything got torn down and they just built like crazy. Right. Now, every single mixed use planned community and development around the country looks exactly the same. <laughs> they do. They all do look the same. <laughs> it's exactly the same. The parking lots are maximized to the square inch. You know, the average size vehicle has been calibrated and calculated so that if you have a truck or a Suburban, it is almost an impossibility to get in and out of a parking lot and navigate oh, yeah. around it, you know? Yeah, yeah. When, I, I mean, when I'm driving, the car, when I'm driving our just, big cargo van, uh, I have to park at the far end so I can take up two spaces. <laughs> yeah, and it just, you know, and, and what happens is, is that, you know, the identities of these communities, they just get erased. It does, yeah. And everything is a pad site. Everything is a box store. Everything is a national chain, you know, and it, and it's kind of sad. And then I think what has happened is, is that people have taken tally on that a little bit. And they've realized that, you know, part of what, a, you know, identity of a community is, is, you know, the history and the stories that are tied to that history and the uniqueness of what makes that area different from someplace else. And it just so happens that, you know, the architecture and the buildings are part of that. Yes. And, yes. Yeah. and I think that, you know, when people have these little cute downtown areas, you know, where, you know, it's just, it's like out of a movie. Well, yeah, because some movie drove, you know, producer drove through that town and said, this is perfect. You know, I, yes, you know, people yeah. watching this movie, they, they want to see this because this is where, you know, this is the ideal setting and the picture that people have in their minds of where they want to be. And so why not, why not? Why is that a bad thing? Right. And, why, you know, and why, why can't... You don't need to try to create it in these these um the the new trend i've seen in those like in the development is you know the stores on the bottom with living up above but it's still yep. the same it still all looks the same it's all the same you know yeah. outside of bethesda you could yeah. be you know outside of you know boston you could be anywhere yes. and it all yeah. is the same it's mixed use commercial residential with a pedestrian walkway down the center and you yes. know a parking garage <laughs> hidden in the middle of it you know what i mean yeah and it's all the same. And, um, and so I think that that's starting to, to hit a tune with, with people is, you know, let's try and save or salvage, you know, some of these structures uh, include, you know, some commercial amenities into them, whether it's, you know, putting a, you know, an elevator shaft in the back so that, you know, the spaces are a little bit more user-friendly or whatever right. it is. Yeah. Um, and we're seeing that in places like downtown DC, um, in areas, you know, around DC between Baltimore and Baltimore, um, you know, and also in other places like in, um, you know, Milwaukee, uh, you know, we just did a job this past year and, you know, Milwaukee is now having a renaissance because everybody's tired of Chicago and the, the crime stats. And now everybody oh, is yeah. taking that one hour train ride North to Milwaukee on the weekend. So now Milwaukee yeah, is a cool training place to go. Yeah. Right. Oh. And so now all these old industrial, you know, buildings in Milwaukee are all being gentrified and redone and reworked, but they're keeping that skin, you know, they're keeping the character. Yes. Yeah. And, um, and so, you know, we can aid in that by, uh, you know, moving the buildings around on properties to open up space for new development, but that then keeping sense. the original yeah. old structures and bunching them together. So they look like they were always there. Um, or sometimes we'll move old buildings off site. They'll dig the whole block down 30 or 40 feet. They'll put in all of the utilities and the parking garages and everything underground. And then when they get back up to grade, we move the buildings back. 
that that makes a lot of sense too because then you you have the kind of the best of both worlds there you go yeah so, so um so i you've talked a lot about your moving and your your raising um i did think that one thing was interesting on on your website was that you actually move and lift industrial equipment also um is that something that you do like just to kind of fill in or is that a, a major part of your of your business when you're not moving houses so the sort of um industrial or uh moving equipment moving or heavy hauling kind of rigging yes. uh kind of uh i guess market uh is something that overlaps a lot with structural movers okay um so you know a lot of what we do from a structural moving standpoint um you know we're dealing with with big semi-delicate you know heavy loads that weren't meant to be moved right um and so you have to build a custom frame underneath of each one because everyone's different. And, you know, and then you get to the point where you can start to move. Uh, but the rigging and heavy hauling, you know, most of, and then the industrial equipment moving, most of those components, um, you know, they're made of steel usually. Um, they're very heavy. They're very compact. They have, you know, um, pick points usually that are manufactured or, you know, fabricated onto they're, these they're more components that are- move. Yeah. They're made to be moved. That's yeah. right. Yeah. Um, and so sometimes, like I said, our work overlaps with, with that work. And we do, um, it's not a big part of our business, but mm -hmm. we have moved, you know, we've moved transformers. We've moved, um, you know, 100 and 200 ton uh, pieces of equipment, uh, you know, 15, 20 miles. Um, we've also done some industrial uh, steel fabrication um work for like if you know we've got a couple of uh, places close by that that are large fabrication plants they, they make big steel okay. uh, components for things or they make boats or whatever it is and so they'll build those inside and then they'll need to get them outside to deliver them to their their customers usually on a barge and so they'll contract us to come in and move these things out of their their yards onto these barges so that they can be delivered um, so yeah that's something that we actually probably do, I'd say, four or five times a year. We we do projects that are, you know, that fall into that category. Yeah, and that's a good that's a good use of your of your skills and and the equipment that you already have. It, it makes sense to me. So, uh, is there anything that you wanted to share that we didn't cover in the podcast? Um, you know, I don't know. We we went all over the place. We did. I um, yeah, you know, I think um. No, it's just, uh, you know, it's just like, like all the other types of, you know, media outlets that we end up being on, whether it be by accident or on purpose, <laughs> um, you know, the takeaway, the takeaway for me is, is that, um, you know, people, uh, of course know who we are because yes, you know, I always definitely. like to think that, you know, that, that we like, you know, like to have a shot at anything close by. Um, but it also that people just, um, keep, um, moving and raising and shoring in mind when it comes to any sort of historic preservation project, but also you know, any project really that, that that would pertain to, because um, there's lots of different options that 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 people have uh, when it comes to some of these projects that they maybe they're just not exploring. And um, you know, that's always fun for me to to be able to throw something out there to somebody that you know was sort of thinking about one thing or another, but then when you you tell them, you know, the you know the the capability of what you can do and what can be done. And then all of a sudden, you know, it re 
sort of rethinks and reworks their whole vision for what their project entailed. And that's always fun to to be able to uh, introduce that kind of value to people right. yeah. that, you know, they didn't even expect when they called, you know, and, and, uh, and so, yeah, it's always, it's always nice to be able to, uh, to be able to give a customer more than what they originally thought they were going to get when they make that first phone call. Yeah. A, a solution that they didn't even probably knew it, didn't realize that they could have. And sometimes, yeah. So I, I enjoy doing that too. So do you have any offers for our listeners? We really didn't chat about that before. So I don't know the answer to this. Any what? And did you have any offers for the, for our listeners? Offers. Yes. You mean as far as like, like are you going to be an event or do you have any, a book or videos or anything you could, you could, you could direct them anywhere you want. Um, yeah, you know, I guess the shameless plug, I guess is, this is probably where it should go. I mean, we have a website. It's, you know, it's www.experthousemovers.com. Um, you're more than welcome to go visit us there, you know, on Facebook, uh, you can search us at expert house movers of Maryland or MD because there's, you know, my uncle's companies, uh, you know, in Virginia and the Midwest, okay. um, they're out there as well. But, um, yeah, even YouTubing expert house movers, you know, there's lots of different shows that, okay. that have been recorded for, of, of some of our projects. Um, you know, I don't really have t-shirts and, uh, coasters and, okay. and things like that that we sell, but, <laughs> but I mean, like I said, um, yeah, you know, if anybody that's out there listening to this, that, you know, has a project in the mid-Atlantic area or something of a little bit grander size uh, in other parts of the United States, uh, you know, it would be a pleasure to to take their calls and spend some time answering questions. And, you know, like I said, that, that for me is, is what's really fun and the part of my job I enjoy. So. Yes. Very good. Well, thank you so much for, for coming on with us today. I will make sure that your, you know, your, your website and your Facebook and your, um, your YouTube are on, um, on the page that the podcast will go on. So people can go there to find, to find you. Um, so thank you very much for coming on with us today. You're welcome, Danielle. That was, that was really great. Thanks for listening to the Practical Preservation Podcast. The resources discussed during this episode are on our website at practicalpreservationservices.com forward slash podcast. If you received value from this episode and know someone else that will get value from it as well, please share it with them. Join us next week for another episode of the Practical Preservation Podcast. For more information on restoring your historic home, visit practicalpreservationservices.com.